Welcome to Coming Out Evil. I'm Harley Honey. And I'm Mick Sedusa. Join our descent into villainy. Alright, we are back, baby. Yeah, it's been so long. Very exciting. Coming back during Pride Month. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Very gay. <laughs> it's gonna be gay. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Yeah, you want to let them know what we're about to get into? So we're going to have some pride discourse today. Ooh, what good. belongs of pride? The girls ain't ready. <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting. And I know definitely something that comes up every single year. Every year. Every single year. And there's a lot of like nonsense that gets spewed. So I'm here. I'm ready for this, like, definitive end to this discourse. <laughs> it's happening right now. It's over. Yes, I'm sick of it. After this episode, <laughs> no one's allowed to argue about blanket pride ever again. Done. It's over. We're going to cover <laughs> it all. Stop this ahistorical nonsense I Literally. see people doing, because we're going to set it straight. Y'all got to quiet down now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess just to preface, like, a quick history lesson on pride so we're all on the same page would be good basically it has been a long part of queer history that queer people hang out in bars and clubs because those were most commonly places of refuge Mm -hmm. and pride is essentially the anniversary of the stonewall riots if you know what those are awesome if not, you should totally look into it, but I'm going to give you a little primer right now. The New York State Liquor Authority used to penalize and shut down establishments that served alcohol to LGBT individuals, and they enforced that via liquor licensing laws. So, like, that's how they made it legal. Like, since queer people tended to be in bars and clubs where the owners didn't have a liquor license or like that were owned by literally the mafia or something like they would use things like that as an excuse to make it legal to like raid places oh my god yeah and so the stonewall uprising happened at stonewall inn and i'm not positive whether they had a liquor license i don't think they did but don't quote me on that essentially in the early hours of june 28th 1968 the Stonewall Inn in the Greenwich Village neighborhood of Lower Manhattan in New York City was raided by police. That was followed by, you know, several riots and queer people defending themselves just to keep it broad. And so now we celebrate Pride as an anniversary of those Stonewall riots. So you were saying all of that, and I know that there's like this joke that the most queer sponsored things are like alcohol like it'll be like (laughs) pride brought to you by absolute vodka is that why is it because of this history i do think there's like pressure for liquor companies to make nice yeah wow which is a whole separate issue because now a lot of queer spaces that are safe havens are alcohol centric so for people who are sober or not 21 there's such an alcohol steeped history and queerness because of that now so that's wild i didn't realize the liquor licenses were used as a way to raid queer safe havens yeah and honestly they probably would have gotten away with it all the same even if they didn't use like a flimsy legal justification because homophobia was just so rampant like we're talking about 1969 yeah (laughs) oh something i forgot to mention was that the year after the initial uprising 
the pride that happened as an anniversary to that, like the one that was in 1970. Those happened several places, so there were pride marches in Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, and San Fran, and the reason it was marches is because, you know, you march in protest. So I think that we forget that the anniversary, it's like, yeah, it's cool, it's a party now, but it was originally, like, protesting, like, very yeah. politically charged. And I think a lot of people will even say the first Pride was a riot. It's like, yeah. you're saying it, but do you feel that in your spirit, what that means? Yeah. Like, and we didn't do it for fun, right? There were police that raided. Like, they started it. I feel like a lot of people also forget that Pride happened in self-defense. Right. Absolutely. I knew in the 50s there were straight up laws like if women were wearing pants or in men's clothing. It was a wrap. Yeah. Could be thrown in jail. I forget when those laws fell out of favor, but it couldn't have been that quick. Yeah. <laughs> well, shit fire. It looks like a wave of laws in 1850s represented a new development and specific gender presentation that was like considered appropriate. And anti-cross-dressing laws became a flexible tool to police and enforce normative gender on multiple gender identity. But this timeline also says that somebody was arrested in New York as recently as 2011 Hello? <laughs> from the remnants of the 19th century statewide law prohibiting wearing the dress of the opposite sex. Wow. I was about to say that I feel like that still connects to the modern day, but that specifically was still happening in 2011. That's wild. Yeah. But you know, with like all the like anti-trans legislation, you know how that's like, it's definitely because they hate trans people, but right. also because they just hate gender nonconformity and lack of normalcy. And that's why we're seeing like so many videos and stuff pop up of cis people being bothered in bathrooms because Child. someone thinks they're trans or just people dressed masks like masked lesbians being targeted because of what yeah. they're wearing and it's like you don't even believe this person's trans like you just wanted to attack them right and that's what's behind this all like they just want to eradicate everything that doesn't look like them literally it's very alarming and yeah i definitely remember my professor in college talking about these laws like oh it happened in the 50s but it's definitely still happening now yeah. clearly they're trying to make their comeback and then even with the fact now that we're having to say, like, drag is not a crime, yeah. that being a whole nother layer to this. Yeah, and it's because of respectability, right? Like, I'm really convinced that these bigots really think this is, like, a fetish. Right. Or, like, something sexually deviant. Literally. So they're like, why am I privy to your sexual deviancy? And it's like, this is not sexually related at all absolutely and respectability if you don't know is respectability politics being there's a way we're supposed to act and behave and dress and perform in order to get the respect we deserve innately as human beings right like you see it in queer populations like people being like oh like you're way too flamboyant nobody's gonna take it seriously even in like black community the whole bonnet discussion for example where monique was like don't wear your bonnet outside that's all respectability politic bullshit because they're gonna disrespect us regardless like yeah. <laughs> not gonna be better because i'm not wearing a bonnet literally it's really fucking wild out here so did you see that discourse on twitter of that dentist's office that tried to be like you can't come in here with a bonnet on or something it was very strange it was this black dentist this black family-owned dentist's office that literally was like oh y'all keep showing up any kind of way and it's like i don't know if any of you have ever had dental issues but that shit is the worst that shit hurted the worst <laughs> so 
I feel like it makes perfect sense to me that people would be rolling up to the dentist's office having an emergency in their pajamas and bonnets and stuff yeah. because if you're in pain why are you thinking about what you look like to go to the doctor also like you know that's gonna be a whole separate tangent i just realized <laughs> but like i just it's really frustrating like we deserve head coverings that protect our hair like it's yeah. really not that deep beanies aren't gonna do it the head wrap sometimes takes a long time to put up like the bonnet is just a really safe way to keep your hair safe yeah but i digress that's respectability politics in a yeah. nutshell <laughs> yeah so we see this happening in queer spaces especially with like all those anti-trans and anti-drag legislation and now people being like well what if you just you know toned it down while you're out about it? it's like we shouldn't have to yeah. but that's a nonsense i feel like another same page thing was the queer versus lgbt section ah yes because yeah. yes. like i feel like there are lots of people who are lgbt but mm-hmm. who aren't embracing queerness as the word or concept was intended. I don't think those things are interchangeable. Absolutely not. That is a big thing. Even having to tell people now, you can't just address anybody as queer. That is a very personal choice. Yeah. You have to get people's consent because it's a parallel discourse to like the N-word in black community, right? Like some people use the word, some people think nobody should use the word. It's the whole idea of linguistic reclamation, right? So like that word still gets thrown around in some places in the US and some people have a very traumatic history with that word and they're like, I would never claim that. And then yeah. some people want to reclaim it and take power from it in ways they can to reclaim it and like give it a new meaning. So you can't just be throwing that around on anybody. <laughs> but yeah. Who coins the word like queering? Like not as in LGBT, but queering as in to make something strange. The first piece of media I read that introduced me to the idea of queer being like more than your sexuality, like queer being political and the concept of something being queer and queering something being like putting a magnifying glass on that it's different. Like, I think the first time I read about that was reading Judith Butler. That definitely makes sense. Was that in an academic space? Yeah. Yeah. That is, I feel like a lot of universities, they love them some Judith Butler. <laughs> Me too. And I get it, you know. It was a good, like, intro, I feel like, to thinking about sexuality and just, like, women's studies in general as, like, something to be taken seriously. But yeah, I don't think I agree with, like, everything that Judith Butler's ever written, but I definitely <laughs> was, like, reading sex where we shown to have been like the same as gender all along or something like that i was like whoa she also said something along the lines of we're born and the rest is drag or something like that all gender is like drag which is true like (laughs) everybody's performing their gender like trans or cis so did have some bangers i should find this exact quote but basically i remember the concept was like sex is not any more binary than gender is ah, it's basically very true and people get confused about that too yeah. <laughs> that was the first time i read about that i was like oh, that makes sense yep they do name some other people here so somebody named eve kosofsky sedgwick is a foundational theorist for queer theory and she says that queer can mean the open mesh of possibilities gaps and excesses of meaning when the constituent elements of anyone's gender, of anyone's sexuality aren't made or can't be made to signify monolithically. They also mention someone named Michael Warner and then Judith Butler, of course, who's a theorist credited with the founding of queer theory. So I guess that considered a pretty solid starting point for kind of standardizing this conversation. So what I was thinking of is that Judith Butler said gender 
is performative. And the quote I was thinking about was somebody else entirely, and I'm very upset who I remembered the quote from. But RuPaul said, we're born and the rest is drag. I see. And I cannot stand RuPaul. However, (laughs) it's very much in line with what Judith Butler was saying, is that it is performative. I did find the quote is the word performativity. And I do think it's giving different connotation at the time. Because there's no gender identity behind the expressions of gender. Identity is performatively constituted by the very expressions that are said to be its results. So I do a little bit feel like I hear the negative connotation, but it's like, didn't mean what I thought it (laughs) Performatively constituted, like, yeah, that is for others, like outside of ourselves. Absolutely. And I also think the connotation that I've maybe I'm hearing you say is like there's an artificialness to it yeah right and I think artificial is maybe where the negative connotation comes in for me and it's like gender is artificial and it doesn't have to be negative but the way that it's imposed on us is definitely negative and like yeah the way we have to perform it yeah definitely so I could definitely see that for sure the thing that I was thinking about was from her book Gender Trouble and she's basically replying to Simone de Beauvoir because they wrote The Second Sex and talked about like gender's construction and replying saying that gender and sex are essentially the same thing but in the way that sex is not as binary as we think it is not that like they are only Right. (laughs) So basically, Simone says, we are not born women, we become women over time. And so Judith is basically replying like, yes, if that's true, if we become women, then anyone and anybody could become a woman. Your body is irrelevant to becoming a woman. Yeah, because I think the idea that like even cis women are going through the same like becoming of a woman that like, well, same as in... Yeah. You know, but yeah, if all women are needing to become women, then I do think it's interesting to acknowledge that the body is irrelevant for that. And after explaining this, says sex could not qualify as anatomical factity. Instead, sex by definition will be shown to have been gender all along, saying sex is not any more facts. True, gender is. I think that's interesting. And I do think cis women eventually started catching on to that when they're like. So if I get a mastectomy, am I less of a woman? Yeah. If I can't have children, am I less of a woman? Like, yeah. isn't the whole point of feminism is that we're not just walking pussies for, like, men to fuck? Like, Literally. what not that the point? Like, what, I'm confused here, what your thesis is. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, like, bioessentialism, I think, finally, decades later, they started catching on. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely. Now, when will we broaden the definition of gender affirming surgery? That's Child. my question. Child, one day. <laughs> making themselves taller, bro? You see what I'm saying? They getting their knees done out here? The beard transplant? You're telling me that's not drag? Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, Definitely gender affirming. Truly. Yes. Excellent. So, what a fun little rabbit trail for Judith Butler. (laughs) (laughs) To circle back this idea that queerness isn't just about who you want to have sex with, being queer is rooted in political resistance. And I feel like there's a difference between calling yourself queer, calling yourself like gay or lesbian, or what have you. True. Also, pride is, like, I know I literally just said, it's not all about who you have sex with, but 
Pride is literally about, <laughs> like also about sexual liberation. So I think Pride is about lots of things, right? It's about like sexual liberation. It's about STI awareness. It's about anti-cop politics. It's about all sorts of things. But like, mind you, literally sodomy was illegal. <laughs> Right. So when you're like, oh, I don't want to see sex at Pride. I don't want to see people being sexual at Pride. It's like part of what people were fighting for was to, without it being illegal, have gay sex. Right. And so that matters. And I think, too, people will treat queer people like we don't understand how to hold space for multiple things. Yeah. For example, like all the anti-drag story times. Like a drag story time is very different from a night show. Yeah. Right? Like, queer people are very talented in the way that we can do these things. Right? So, like, just because somebody has a pride event doesn't mean that, like, there's going to be a kitty corner where they're finger painting and there's yeah. going to be another corner for the adults. Like, kind of talented that way. So. This idea that queer people are just, like, all sexual deviants is just very pervasive. And I think their thought process is like, oh, drag, like, this is inherently a fetish and so it shouldn't be around kids. And it's also like, if you are so attracted to drag queens, you think it's inherently sexual. Yeah. I would go journal. Like, you unpack that. It's definitely, I feel like, sometimes rooted in desire, right? And, like, shame around the desire. Because your sexual attraction doesn't have anything to do with what's happening at a drag story time. Hellfire! Just Frollo, like, <laughs> losing his mind over drag queens. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Pretty fun. giving for <laughs> fruits to them. Literally. Like, you see a drag queen reading Hungry Caterpillar and you can't stop thinking about her titties and what else she got going on. Like, that sounds like a personal problem. Right? Like, why is that on your mind? And I feel like, wasn't there literally a politician that got called out for people suspected he was a drag queen in a different country and, like, oh, yeah. people were going around comparing that. Didn't that recently get confirmed? Like, yeah. Didn't he literally get in trouble? Because yeah. that like he denied he was a whole it. Republican. He denied it every step of the way. Mm -hmm. He was like, "That's not me. That's someone else." And somebody had receipts. <laughs> they had receipts. They're like, "Nah, look at this." <laughs> Rep. George Santos implies he dressed in drag, but denies ever being a drag queen. Wait, is that him? I think that's him. Oh, so he's trying to defend himself now by being like, "I was just in drag. I wasn't a drag queen. Those were just pictures of me in drag." <laughs> I'm doing drag, but it's different. Like, he literally was like, no, 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 I was just dressed <laughs> that way, having fun at a festival. He literally says, oh my gosh, no, I was not a drag queen in Brazil, guys. I was young and I had fun at a festival. Sue me for having a life. <laughs> oh, oh, he roasted y'all. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's hilarious. Shit's wild out here. This country is confuse it like that's so funny and like why were you pictured in drag next to a queer drag queen <laughs> since you're claiming it wasn't your career but like ciao what a mess and how nbc news verified the images mm -hmm. dang he got caught got his ass right <laughs> anyway <laughs> there's just so much juicy shit to talk about with these conversations like it's... but yeah like politicians going out of their way to have no proximity to queerness but then turn around and be like sue me for having a life <laughs> oh fuck there's also like in addition to pride being like for sexual liberation 
And also, I mentioned before, STI, like, prevention and awareness, mm. especially, like, the HIV-AIDS crisis decimated queer community. Yeah, it's like, we literally lost a generation of queer elders. Like, the fact that people are like, oh, being gay and trans, it's a new thing. It's new. People weren't like that before. Yeah, they were dying. They're literally dead. Like, yeah. And I think that's the other part, too, right? Like, not only just sexual liberation and the fact that the way we have sex is beautiful and natural and everything, but also the fact that we haven't been taught our own history and the people we've lost and how to be safe and it's not talked about in sex ed classes. Yeah. You know, like, just all these things where we haven't even got to engage in sex in a healthy, safe, fun environment. It's always been shrouded in discrimination and fear, you know? So, like, getting to have joy in sex is a big thing, so... Yeah. Even if we wanted to just focus on that, we deserve to, (laughs) like... Yeah, like, why not have this be about sex, at least in part? Right. Like, we deserve that. Straight people are out here having sex. Nobody gets mad when a straight person is around children just because they be fucking. Oh, we're trying for another one. It's like, they're literally bragging about fucking. Yeah, they're literally bragging about (laughs) specifically. They're like, he's coming in me, regularly, (laughs) for purpose. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Yeah, literally, it's just, I don't get it. So, and while we're here, why do you care what genitals your baby's gonna have? I just want to know. <laughs> we just had a long-ass conversation that you probably are not privy to. <laughs> oh my gosh, how did we get into that from me starting to talk about the AIDS crisis? Sex liberation, learning about sex, sex is joyful, it's okay if it's about that. Oh, okay. Yes. Sign of the penis. <laughs> Zodiac. <laughs> yes. It's okay if it's about sex because we can do it in a way that's not weird, unlike straight people who definitely do it in ways Oop. that are weird. <laughs> Maybe I'll just keep that recap in there. Yeah. <laughs> You all can wonder about that later, but... (laughs) But yeah, especially, like, leather communities, like, Mm -hmm. people... So, I feel like now we're getting into the meat of it, is that people say they shouldn't be kink at pride, but leather communities were largely responsible for us being able to come out of the HIV-AIDS crisis. Without leather daddies, we would probably be dying at alarming rates still. I'm I'm sorry to tell you. They were nursing. They were nursing that whole time. Especially since leather communities, leather and kink communities, I'm not going to say are exactly the same. The Venn diagram of them is a circle, but like, it's mostly a circle. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I know that like leather old heads don't like admitting that, but it's okay. You'll be all right. (laughs) But yeah, the leather community was already used to explicitly and openly talking about sex, right? Like people have this idea of queer people in their heads. It's like, oh, they're concentrated on fucking all the time queer people can be just as taboo as straight people about sex like just because we're gay and people like fucking doesn't mean it's any easier for us to have conversations about sex especially productive ones with very very true honey yeah and the leather community like largely guided that being able to happen the way that people can be more liberated talking about sex now is only possible again because leather communities were already used to doing that They were already doing it. And even, not even just sex in general, but also things like consent and stuff, I feel like very much got normalized because of leather and kink communities. Being like, hey, you know, maybe you're not doing all of this, but you still need to have conversations about not only what you're interested in, but what a safe word is, or when you stop, when you slow down, like all those things very much came from that culture, so. The idea of like sharing your kinks and fetishes before hooking up with someone was definitely born directly out of like kink and leather Mm -hmm. communities. And flagging, like previous yeah. episodes. See shit. the previous flagging episode for more information <laughs> about that. <laughs> yes. So yeah, definitely. It's a lot. 
And I feel like even now, like, as a 27-year-old, there's still so many things I'm learning and, like, you know, having, like, a history with salt and stuff, like, being a queer person and, like, having to learn how to have healthier models for consent and stuff now, too. Like, that's all a very long tradition of queer history and kink history informing that, like. Yeah. Yeah. It's not gotten any easier just because it's 2023. (laughs) I think to just close this out, I want to talk about how even organizations like certain organizations will recognize the leather community for their contribution to ending the like AIDS epidemic. So John B. Cunningham, the executive director of the National AIDS Memorial Grove, Mm -hmm. put out a statement that I think sums this up pretty well. He says, at the onset of AIDS, the San Francisco leather community began losing friends and lovers at an unimaginable rate. No one knew what caused it, how people became infected, or if there was any hope for treatment and survival. With nowhere to turn but their own community, they rolled up their leather sleeves and became their own caregivers and health providers, meeting whatever needs they possibly could, which was extremely difficult because many of them were also sick. But those organizations at the grassroots level that started out of necessity became models on a global scale that still work to this day. By the early 1990s, thousands had died and many more were dying or very ill. By this time, they had established charitable organizations that helped with emergency basics, such as rent, utilities, and even assistance with pets and legal aid. This also led to organizations that to this day have continued raising millions of dollars over the past several decades to help those in need and further the advancements of treatment and education through conversations about HIV because it still affects our community. Absolutely. And let me just throw this in here. Go get prep. Yeah. Everybody go get prep. I actually need to go get prep. Like, Valid. everybody, we've come such a long way because of these communities. I think seeing that episode I saw recently, I was like bawling. I was like, you know what? We need to all be taking this a little more seriously. Like, a lot of people have been lost and have spent their entire lives dedicating themselves to this work. And like, one way you can expect that is protecting ourselves, so... Just want to throw that in there. Go get prep. But <laughs> yeah. Especially if you are a sexually active adult. Child. So next section is like reasons for discourse. Like, why does this conversation even happen up here? Keeps happening. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, so I know we kind of touched on the ahistoricalness of it. People not knowing their history. And you know, I can empathize like we were saying we've lost a whole generation or two of queer elders i think a lot of people feel very ungrounded and especially if you don't even have like queer people in your family or queer people in your you know i came from the south i came from kentucky like you know how hard (laughs) it is to find a queer elder down there and they're around but also like it's just really rough out here so it's hard because on the one hand i get it we're not set up for success here on the other hand the info is out there and we got to stop pretending like we're doing everything from scratch. We have the blessing of the fact that we're not doing everything from scratch. We get to honor that by like <laughs> looking into the people who did it first, you know? So, yeah, and then we talked about respectability politics a little bit. Yeah. Um, more. Oh, yeah. Like people see things that they're not attracted to, and mm-hmm. so they just want it to be hidden. Yeah. Like, cis people just want certain demographics of people tucked away because it's not like desirable to look at yeah it's a good point so like being like oh i don't find it attractive stop it like (laughs) like, okay what you find attractive is actually not relevant to this i don't know which one it would have get added in here but like 
the whole conversation of like cops at pride like we don't need yeah. to do that if they're a queer cop they are a cop yeah queer is an adjective queer you didn't choose but cop you chose and you could have yeah. not done that and like Literally. the whole point of this like we said start oh you know what lack of historical knowledge like the whole point of this was because of the over policing of queer identities and safe spaces and everything like we don't need cops at pride yeah stop it Literally, it's the anniversary <laughs> of us throwing bricks at the police. Like, I really don't understand. Literally. I just... Stop it. And also, the elephant in the room, too, of, like, black and brown people started those riots and are still, to this day, the most marginalized and policed and everything. If you have, like, a pro-black praxis of protecting us, then you should be anti-cop already. Yeah. We're talking about queer black people, queer black trans people... Cops should be nowhere near them! I think some cities have even banned cops from Pride for, like, this exact line of reasoning. Mm. I wonder, like, exactly which cities. Oh, yes. Pride events in New York City, Denver, Albuquerque, and New Mexico have all banned officers from participating in Pride. Because of the, like, logic that yeah. we just talked about. So, Though it does specify they banned officers in uniform. Yeah, that is an interesting... I guess... I am curious how they would enforce it beyond that, but I do think an effort should be made. Like, yeah. I think that maybe the ban is specifically, like, you can't have, I don't know, police security or something at Pride, because, mm. like, Pride is often treated like a parade, and so parades will have police escorts at the beginning and at the end and stuff yeah. like that, and rallies will have police details supposedly being quote-unquote security at these events but yeah so i think that's what they mean by like uniformed cops like we do not require your services today leave us alone and then like all this discourse to say i remember maybe one or two years ago i was like we're really talking about whether people can wear kink gear at pride but we're not even talking about how to make pride like physically accessible to disabled people like this is really the conversation we're choosing to have first I can't even go. Like, <laughs> can we please? <laughs> Where are the bathrooms at? Bathrooms. Seating. Where's the ramp? Shade. I, you know. Water. Things. Water. <laughs> Fucking water. Like, stop it. <laughs> we worried about the wrong things, honey. I'm like, like, worried if you can wear a harness of pride. I'm worried about whether I can go. <laughs> like. Child, yes, honey. Oh, my God. Yeah, how many events have we been to recently just, like, in queer spaces yeah. and clubs and, like, bars and the chairs have, like, not been big enough? Oh my gosh, Fat Lady Brewing. Oh! I'm calling you out by oh, name. You got <laughs> Fat Lady in the name, girl! Yeah, like, literally <laughs> it's in the name and don't sue me because this is true information that I know to be true. Those chairs are not big enough. <laughs> it just made me sad because, like, I was so excited to, like, see this burlesque show, but we had to leave early because my hips were hurting. Like, yeah, it was ridiculous. And I honestly, I have never had that issue before, and it, like, really, like, opened my eyes. I was like, holy shit. That was so fucking uncomfortable. There was no reason for that. And yeah. that's Fat Lady in the name. I think why I can't let go of it, honey. Like, that's fair because why would you want <laughs> Fat Lady Brewing? And the seats were so sweet. They were smaller than average seats. Like, I want to impart that to you. They were even smaller than regular seats. Why? I also feel like most event seating doesn't even have armrests. So to have armrests that are then way too narrow is a choice. Yeah. And like, you know, I could see y'all doing great things. I love like a fat lady being your logo and everything. But like, 
that was not comfortable and I just we gotta say something but <laughs> not cute, not cute. so yes even just day to day trying to get around and do events so then at pride also when there's even more people and there's like it's outside and like businesses aren't gonna have their bathrooms open or where are we gonna find seating where are we gonna find water yeah. like there's oh my gosh other things to figure out like <laughs> the bathroom situation is wild like the one pride I went to in this situation almost disastrous oh no because I had to look around for bathrooms that's true the one pride I've been to has actually just been in Kentucky and mm-hmm. I think they just had porta potties maybe that was better than nothing that's true because I don't think Maybe it's been different in recent years, but the Pride I went to in 2017 in Philadelphia was <laughs> not good. Ooh, there was just no bathrooms anywhere. I guess I went another year also, but I was, like, working that year. Oh, gotcha. And, like, I also knew from the year before that I needed to plan and map out bathrooms. Yeah. I'd be curious to see what the vibe is this year. I also would love to go, like, to a big city's Pride, just out of curiosity. Because Kentucky was surely not the pinnacle of Pride experience, but... I do feel like I got lucky in that I got to go to Miami Pride a couple times. Oh, I thought that was fire. (laughs) You know what? There were porta-potties. Oh, why didn't Philly Pride have porta-potties? Oh! Someone explain. Oh! Do Yankees not like bathrooms? (laughs) I don't even know, dude. I don't even know. <laughs> They're not drinking all that tea. They must start thinking about it. Honestly, there was no one distributing water either, so maybe no one needed to go. Yeah. Everybody's just dehydrated. <laughs> no. Dehydration brought to you by Absolute Vodka. <laughs> I think I several times had to just go into a bar and, like, to have an accident. I will piss myself right here! Like, literally, you're gonna let me use your bathroom or we're gonna have a problem. (laughs) I would love to see you threatening. I just want to see that happen and go down. Because, like, that's funny as fuck. It always works. Pro tip, if anybody has bathroom-related disabilities, no one wants you to pee yourself in the middle of a store. something that like yeah go ahead and shit or piss yourself and you'll be like less they won't want to touch you yeah literally wow and i'm like you know you're not wrong and i guess if you're in that situation anyway like i could see yourself letting go like that that's fair but goddamn goodness (laughs) ain't nobody want to deal with that so that's a pro tip if you ever don't know what to do you can't fight shit yourself (laughs) (laughs) pride safety more reasonable segue than our past segues because we're talking about disabled people mm-hmm. already. So yeah, disability is not the only thing that doesn't get considered because mm-hmm. of pride. Like, there's trans people, queer people of color, oh. sex workers, oh. people with substance abuse disorders. Oh. All get left out of conversations about like pride discourse. Very true. Yeah. We have to have conversations about sober practices and consent. Because, yeah. like, the way people will just be offering things, it's like, you actually don't know everybody's situation. Like, yeah, don't offer strangers booze. Yeah, booze or having to cut out weed for myself personally last year. Just the amount of interactions I've had where people are like, oh, just give me some bud. Or like, oh, we can just smoke. I'm like, actually, no. 
Yeah. Like, I medically cannot do that. I, like, was aware of these things, but now I have a very personal attachment to being like, hey, we need to, like, have sober ways to interact with each yeah. other. Like, please. But, yeah, definitely. Like, there's a sober lot of... Sober inexpensive. Yes! I'm a shout out right now. I have a friend in Louisville, Kentucky who has a place called Siscot Tea. They finally have a physical location. And that's part of her mission is having like a sober space for queer people. That's completely sober. Won't even use like vanilla extract. Wow. Yeah, like completely sober. Does vanilla extract have alcohol? It is does. Because it it's fermented a little bit? It's because like to get the vanilla flavoring, it'll steep it in alcohol. Oh, that is how you make vanilla extract. I thought was just a homemade no that's how you make all vanilla extracts. yeah so she like has done her research completely sober space she's got stuff online too so you can support and it's a black queer owned space go check them out they're super lit and they're open late on the weekends too i think till like 9 p.m so people have a safe sober space on the weekend so like, yeah that's really important work and definitely not talked about enough so yeah but you named quite a few people who get left out of these conversations especially like you know we've talked about trans misogyny and drag but like literally trans people still get pushed to the back of these conversations sometimes too right like i know back in kentucky i had a couple of cis gay men who were like oh well drag people face the same thing as trans people i'm like no y'all don't no y'all don't actually because no (laughs) like yes you know, like, very much you are stepping into that sometimes, and I can understand that that is a safety concern when you're stepping into that space. But the fact you get to step out of it, like, let's talk about it! Yeah. Like, <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, so, like, really centering the most marginalized people in these conversations is, like, really important, too. Yeah. There's a famous video of trans woman Sylvia Rivera mm-hmm. getting up to address the crowd at New York City. Pride, 1973, and she gets booed on her way up there. Booed. Yeah. And supposedly I think the context is because before she had been trying to bring awareness to who was being left out of Pride and so she gets on stage and continues to talk about it and they just boo her and she's just right. Why are you booing? (laughs) (laughs) She's right. Why are you booing? (laughs) But yeah, this idea that like the predominantly white middle class people at Pride were ignoring sex workers, ignoring trans people, mm. ignoring incarcerated queer people. She, that's a big one, yeah. Yeah, in the 70s it was really popular for like homonormative people, whereas like, oh, we're just like you besides who we like sleep with in bed. Yeah. So the person who comes to mind immediately for me is Ellen DeGeneres. I oh. feel like she is the poster bitch for like homonormative behavior. Yeah. Which is very antithetical to queerness. Queerness feels like we are different and we shouldn't have to shrink from that. Yeah. And all the ways that it enmeshes in our lives, all the intersections, like, I'm not just like you and that's fine, actually. Like, yeah. but yeah, in the 70s, like you were saying, like, these middle class, like, white, gay, and lesbians were like, no, 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 we're just like you, don't worry about it. Shut up, sex workers, shut up, trans people, shut up, incarcerated people. Like, so there's a huge history of respectability politics with that kind of culture, too. So. Yeah. Definitely. Some bullshit. Also, I found, like, a lesson plan, like, a document-based lesson plan about Sylvia Rivera online, like, looking for a transcript of that speech. Mm -hmm. I think that's sweet. I love that. Some teacher out there was like, I'm gonna teach this lesson. Yeah. I'm gonna do it (laughs) document-based. Yeah. So, I think that the people talk about this speech and they call it, y'all better quiet down, because that's how she starts it. Mm -hmm. Iconic. So, y'all better quiet down. I've been trying to get here all day for your gay brothers and your gay sisters in jail that write me every motherfucking week and ask for your help and y'all don't do a goddamn thing for them. Have you ever been beaten up and raped in jail? Now think about it. 
they've been beaten up and raped after they've spent so much money in jail to get home and try to get sex changes. The women have tried to fight for sex changes to become women of the women's liberation. I have been to jail. I have been raped and beaten many times by men, heterosexual men, that do not belong in the homosexual shelter. But do you do anything for me? No. You tell me to go and hide my tail between my legs. I will not put up with this shit. I have been beaten. I have had my nose broken. I've lost my job. I've lost my apartment for gay liberation and you treat me this way? What the fuck is wrong with y'all? Think about that. I do not believe in revolution, but you all do. I believe in the gay power. I believe in us getting our rights or else I would not be out there fighting for our rights. That's all I wanted to say to you people. You all want to know about the people in jail. And don't forget Bambi Lamore, Andorra Marks, Kenny Messner, and other gay people in jail. Come to see the people at Star House on 12th Street. Wow, she was that girl. Her and Marsha. And I feel like we say their names so much, and the fact that I've never heard any of the names she just mentioned made me sad. I'm like, mm-hmm. she always said, don't forget these names. And it's like, damn, like, already. I forgot. Yeah. And it's like, you know, 50 years later, which is not a long time, honestly. But yeah, and like, people will say their names. I've heard white people be like, my ancestor I'm bringing in the room is Marsha P. Johnson. It's like, you actually, I don't think y'all know them like that. Like, they did a lot beyond even like the Stonewall riots. Like, they did a lot of work with housing for trans, homeless youth. There is a lot of work they did beyond that, too. And like, you know, they also deserve to rest. Like, let's stop making them work in the afterlife too and stop saying their names to do more work like yeah. it's our turn now <laughs> like let them rest <laughs> god damn but <laughs> oh and apparently she he and marsha p johnson were allegedly friends yeah i, I think that's sweet i loved it oh. marsha pay it no mind johnson if y'all know that's what the p stands for Y'all should know that. Marsha, <laughs> pay it no mind, Johnson. <laughs> I also love the images I've seen lately of, like, her with, like, her doll and, like, just getting to be happy and existing. Aww. I'm like, ugh. Oh. Cute. Yeah, I got a quiet girl. Mm-hmm. That's where I'll end that there. I love that. <laughs> and then, like, to just go back to the kink at Pride discourse for a moment, there is overlap, right? Like, mm-hmm. not to just say across the board where people are kinkier, but there are, like, reasons that kink and leather are so prominent in the queer community, and, like, the people you inadvertently exclude by excluding kink is, you know, suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> like, sex workers, for example, we tend to be kinkier out of necessity and, like, normalcy, mm-hmm. you know, things just being, like, normal in our fields and stuff like that. So it's like... Yeah. I also, I know we've talked, too, about this idea that people have... So, like, say, for example, kink or polyamory pride, mm-hmm. right? Where people like, well, what if straight people start showing up thinking that they're invited to this? And it's like, what is this hypothetical group of straight people who are strictly straight people who are kinky or strictly straight people who are polyamorous that are taking up space at Pride. Because yeah. more often than not, that's going to be a very, 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 very small demographic versus the queer people who are those things. Like, yeah. I'm sure they're out there, but I even when I'm going to be at these spaces, like, we don't even know. Yeah. Instead of, like, centering the fact that a lot of queer people have these overlaps, so, like, we need to honor that and then deal with the rest later. There's also the, the logic doesn't follow, because, like, are allies allowed at Pride, or are they not? Right. Like, which is it, then? You know? Like, if you're saying that straight polyamorous people can't be there, like, are you trying to say that just, like, no allies should be at Pride? Like, are you now saying Pride is a queer-only event? Because that has, like, other repercussions, I feel like. I remember I was in a 
college course and we were talking about this and some confederate kid was like oh shouldn't queer people just be happy that allies want to show up and like what do they want to get more allies and i was like that's literally the same rhetoric as like y'all let us vote so we should just be happy with that so it's, i don't know there's definitely like a way that we need to talk about like, allies can come but also center the most marginalized like it's not about y'all right like which i think honestly well, I also haven't been to a lot of Pride, so, like, are allies out here showing their asses at Pride? I really don't think so. Yeah, oh. And, like, there's this idea also that we're not saying allies are allowed because we're trying to center straight people. We're saying allies are allowed so closeted people could, in theory, come... That's true. ...without outing themselves via the course of doing that, you know? Like, That's true. I have definitely been to a Pride as a straight ally before. I think I was literally president of GSA in my high school as a straight ally. <laughs> Quote, unquote. But talking about how I got a virus on my family's computer looking at lesbian porn. Like, it just, like, everybody knew, right? But, like, that's the other thing, too. If we start policing who's an ally and trying to enforce that, are you going to kick out some closeted queer? Because you yeah. thought they were an ally? Like, also, like, I feel like the vigorous ally to queer person pipeline is just very strong. Like, right. Like a lot of us started by being like, yeah, I just really care about gay people and their rights for no particular reason. <laughs> and I feel like the people who are weird are going to tell on themselves. And you can yeah. kick them out for being weird. Like, yeah. it's going to be the lack of consent. It's going to be the fetishization. Like, kick them out for those things. But otherwise... I kind of feel similarly about the, like, allies in queer spaces, like, bars discourse, because I do think we should aim for them to be queer only. But also yeah. in the, like, tangible reality of the world, no one's gonna notice if you bring your straight boyfriend to the gay bar, unless he's annoying and boring. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't think anybody cares. It's that you ruin the vibe. Right. <laughs> like, that's the problem, is you're unsafe to be around and you're ruining the vibe. If you're neither of these things, then, like, whatever. Right. And I know I've heard this conversation a lot, too, talking about, like, bachelorette parties, because if you imagine, like, a cishet woman being like, yeah. oh, I want a party where no men are gonna, like grind up on me but then you're going around harassing gay men yeah like there's things to talk about here that aren't necessarily ally centric it's more like consent and fetishization yeah. that's the issue like, like your motivation for coming to the space because i don't think that straight women get to use queer spaces as shields i don't care oh somewhere else her like you don't get to just come in here and be like i want to be safe for men so i'm gonna come make you unsafe bitch Get out of here! Yeah, like, what? You're gonna come in here and then, like, look at a trans woman coming in the bathroom and treat them like they can't be in here? Yeah. Like, you're yeah. gonna ruin the vibe, leave! Get out! <laughs> so, yeah, there's definitely, like, a conversation here. Like, allies are allowed asterisk. Like, yeah. Don't be fucking weird. I shouldn't notice. I shouldn't notice your That strength. part. Like, that's the point. Stop centering yourself. Stop being weird. Like, yeah, and, like, if you're in the gay bar because you... I don't know, are part of a queer community or whatever. Like, you have many queer loved ones. They invited you out, blah, yeah. blah, blah. That's fine. Just, like, don't be fucking weird. And tip us. But yeah. <laughs> Bring money. Yeah. <laughs> tip We're the bartender. Wow. So that's the definitive guide to everybody who's allowed at Pride, who's not allowed at Pride. <laughs> We're done. Leave your comments. It's dead. It's over 2023. Yes. R.I.P. Put it in the cemetery. Happy Pride! Pride.
super happy we got to do this episode to kick off the season. Yeah, and please check us out on our socials and on our website. You can tip us, that's cute. Yeah, all that information <laughs> is in the episode description. Love that for us. Also, shout out to the Hot Bits Festival here in Philly, going on from June 6th through June 14th. There's like showings of some videos that got in, including us. And yeah, some spicy R-rated videos, so mm -hmm. no one's surprised. <laughs> there's some vendors, there's some happy hours, so definitely go check that out. They've worked very hard after a long hiatus. And we're super honored to be a part of that this year. So, yeah. Yeah. Don't forget to check coming out either. Uh, yes. <laughs> Music by audionautics.com. <laughs>